This is Open Encounters. Hear the voices of the people who have crossed the Mediterranean Sea. Now they're on their next journey of settling their lives in Italy and beyond. Their voices on Open Encounters from migrants of the Mediterranean. Hello, welcome to Open Encounters. Welcome back. I'm really excited about today's guest. His name is Moses and he's from Nigeria. I should say I'm actually excited about all of the guests I bring you. They're all awesome. Here's a little backstory so you know. I can tell you that they're all awesome because I keep in touch with them. I know everyone personally now. Um, I've realized not everyone knows the methodology of Migrants of the Mediterranean, how it works, and by extension, this podcast too. So I keep in sustained contact, uh, close contact with the people I profile. So this is not parachute journalism. There's a lot of criticism about that out there because it makes news coverage op uh, opportunistic and exploitative of its subjects, right? Um, so this is not that, and it's unconventional in this way. It's what I've termed humanitarian storytelling. The original journey stories I have on migrantsofthemed.com came from my encounters with people as they arrived on Lampedusa Island, but our relationships don't end there. What I have always done is shared my contact information with everyone I profile, uh, and from there they can reach out via WhatsApp or Facebook or even email, and, and that enables us to keep talking. They can update me about things that are happening in their lives now, after that first reception on the island, and they can tell me where they are, and that lets me find them again. So I continue their stories from there. So now, after nearly three years of contact post Lampedusa with a lot of people, I feel sometimes a lot less like a journalist and writer of their stories than I do practically as a friend or even as a sister in some, in some, in some cases. I really know the people I profile and that enables a kind of intimacy and texture to emerge in our conversations. They trust me and I trust them. So that's the methodology here. And that's how you have the podcast you've heard in these past few weeks before and now today with Moses. So what about Moses? Well, he marched right up into my life. This is, as time has come to show, how he deals with everything, I think, in his life. With agency, with intention, and with a lot of courage. More courage than most, I think. We met three days, three days after he was rescued at sea and brought to Lampedusa. That was on May 10th, 2017. Our meeting was unintentional, actually. I was interviewing someone else, and over the course of it, a crowd of guys had gathered from the hotspot, and that's the place where people who have just arrived on the island are housed. Um, and they had gathered around and were listening in, and it spooked the interviewee a lot, I think, in the end. Uh, he got a little self-conscious with everyone listening and watching, and we called, the, we called it quits early on the interview. So I was packing up my backpack and putting my notebook and my voice, voice recorder away, and uh, one of the guys who had been sitting in the small crowd watching was Moses. He approached and said he saw what had happened, but that he wanted to talk instead and tell me his story. So we walked down to the other end of Via Roma. That's the main drag in Lampedusa. Aren't very many streets there, but <laughs> this is the main artery, if you can call it that, uh, where everyone meets and congregates at cafes and restaurants and small shops and bars. Um, Moses and I took a bench and spoke. 
Uh, he told me his journey story, which you can read on the site now. It's already there. There's a link in his podcast page if you click through from the homepage. And Moses, too, was one of the people who stayed in touch with me. It took, new, it took nearly two years to find him again, just like last week with Abrima, who's living in a city in the far southwestern corner of Sicily. Moses, likewise, has lived in cities in central Italy that are not major hubs, so it makes it a bit harder logistically for me to find him uh, during those trips that I would make on, you know, in this limited time frame and on a dime. I mentioned this also before with Abrima last week that the work here has been done on my passport mostly. So I've got 90 days and a 180-day period to be in the EU before I must return to the States and wait for enough time to elapse again before I can come back. Um, we know that this might change soon with a visa that I hope to receive shortly. But um, while we wait, wait that is the, that's how I get there and certainly how it's been done in the past. So, and while Migrants of the Mediterranean also is partially funded by donation, um, it's primarily done out of my own pocket, meaning that I have to be mindful of how many trips I make in a given travel period on such limited funds. So it's for the people who are in those major cities like Rome and Milan and Naples that I can get to really fast and easy. But uh, it's the people in smaller cities that have been tougher for me to find in the, in the past. Um, but... There's also that lesson in trusting that comes out of this too, because the other thing that happens is the mental anxiety you get when you're planning travel to places you've never seen before and don't know how to access. You start to think it's too complicated to make happen. You get up in your head. You think, okay, I'll take a train. No, there's no direct train. Okay, but okay, maybe a bus. No, the schedule's funny. Maybe I just... Maybe it's better just rent a car. Oh, but yeah, the rental car is kind of expensive. Until you finally look at the map and once and for all, you just book the train and arrive. It takes doing something sometimes to know it's possible, right? And uh, this is an exercise I'm finding myself doing again and again. And the more I do it, the more able, uh, the more I feel able to do more, actually. You always land. Um, so... I took the little regional line to Moses in his home city about an hour or so east of Rome. And besides finding the platform firmly under my feet, of course, when I got there, I also found Moses right there waiting at my side, <laughs> closing up the gap on two years. Uh, he took me through the town. We had lunch together. He showed me his housing and I met the people he lives with. Uh, there's some awesome pictures of that housing complex, too, on the site. Just click the podcast link again at the top of the page, and it will show you the details. And then we stopped at a small abandoned piazza for this conversation you're about to hear. And wait till you hear it. Moses speaks in full paragraphs, and he knows what's up. I'm not even going to give you any setup because it doesn't really require any. Uh, he gives it to you straight on his own. Uh, it's about the topics you've heard before, from employment and contracts to encountering racism, and he confronts that too. He really calls people out on it. It's incredible. Um, there's just one thing that I do want to say um, about a point he raised in the in his uh, conversation about his living situation, which is uh, has to do with him sharing a room with about four other people. So there's no privacy for people living in state housing centers in Italy. And I want us to acknowledge the difficulty of that. I want to start airing this more because I value that kind of time more than I do anything else in my life. 
the time to just think, to have silence, to just be there in a moment and reflect and decompress alone. And I can, and I can imagine the stress of not having that available to me. Sometimes I think we think about the experience of migrants and refugees and forget that they go through the range of normal human emotions as the rest of us, that they have the same needs as the rest of us. It's almost like uh, us, the people of privilege who can provide charity and assistance, think that our gifts uh, that aid their mere survival are enough, that uh, you know, to want anything further uh, you know, to want any further quality of life as a migrant is just getting picky, you know? So I want us to start seeing that and acknowledging that wanting quality of life, you know, a moment of privacy in your own room, for example, is not a luxury, but a basic thing we all need to stay mentally and emotionally balanced. Moses, nor any of the people who are living in these housing camps have ever lived this way before. There's no one who's accustomed to having four or five or more strangers in a single bedroom with them. We wouldn't expect to live that way ourselves, and I don't think that we should expect others to enjoy living that way either. Um, Moses mentions his living situation in this conversation, as I said, and I will leave it to him to tell you more about it. But for us, you know, when our conversation ended here, when we were finished recording, we left the piazza and he walked me back to the train station. He waited with me on the platform. We hugged as my train back to Rome pulled up and we said goodbye. And this is the kind of person Moses is. He's loyal, he's courageous and direct, and he's somebody I'm lucky to know. So Moses, if you're listening, thank you for your story and I'll see you again when I'm in town. And for the rest of you out there listening, here it is. Moses and me in his hometown of Isernia, that lies just east of Rome, in late April 2019, in conversation. The things I love about Italians. Yeah. It's whenever they see someone is hungry, they like to help that person. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> so they they wouldn't they don't look you to say okay you're putting on the best clothes. That's the reason why. Oh, they would think oh this guy is. You know, he's doing well for himself, you know. They wouldn't see things that way. If you like, wear Gucci, wear Prada, wear... At far, you're, you're asking for help. You know, just money to feed. They are willing to help you. That's nice. Yeah, that's the thing I love about them. But when it comes to jobs, oh my God. They would want you to walk, walk and walk and walk and walk without... Now you are know, you talking about without the contract? Yeah, yeah, I mean, with a contract, without a contract, it's the same thing. Really? Yeah, they just want you to work and then not at the end of the day, you know, they wouldn't want to pay you well. So that's the only problem they have. When you had that last contract, the one when you were in Frosilone, how much did you get daily for that? He was paying me 10 bucks for a day. I 10 was euros a day? 10 euros a day, yes. How many I, hours of work? I was working 10 hours every day. 10 hours for 10 euros? Yeah. I mean, I go to work 7 o'clock in the morning. I go home 6.30, at times I even close late, at times I go home 7.30, at times 7 o'clock in the evening. Maybe at the time I'll get home, it will be 8 o'clock. Were, uh, were there other people, other migrants with you working No, there? no, I was, I was only the one working there. You know what actually happened was that when I was working with this man, I actually worked two months before with our contract. 
you know then i think i was just barely about eight months or seven months old in italy so i never really know how the system works right. or how much he's supposed to pay me right per hour you didn't know your rights i don't i never yeah. knew my rights so the people that were in charge in my camp never told me anything about you know um um how contract works even well while i was telling them i work with so person they never wanted to review the secrets or that seems to be a normal thing you understand people never want to tell you yeah yeah it's a normal thing here i think it's a normal thing so while i was working with the man the man saw that was though i couldn't speak italian as at that time but whenever he tells me to do this because i was doing a laboring laboring job like washing trucks washing cars okay you know sweeping the floor sweeping the whole compound you know so whenever he tells me to clean or wash i understand what he's trying to say mm-hmm. you understand yeah. so i never really um i couldn't speak italian at that time much more better because how long at that point how long had you been in italy i was about seven eight months old okay. as okay. at that time so okay. whenever he speaks i just barely understand mm-hmm. a little i don't understand everything but whenever he tells me to do something i understand what he is saying so when he actually saw that I was very hard working, he was giving me 10. I go to work Saturdays, but I close 1 o'clock on Saturday, mm-hmm. 1 p.m. in the afternoon. He doesn't even pay me for Saturdays. So you arrive on the 7, 7 o'clock a.m. on Saturday until 1 o'clock in the afternoon? Yeah, 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 1 p.m. in the afternoon. He doesn't even give me anything on Saturday. So I wasn't complaining because I never knew how much I was supposed to earn. And so you thought that like when you got paid weekly, or did you get paid daily or weekly? No, before without a contract, he was oh. giving mom, giving me money weekly. He okay, was give, so you would just report for work Monday yeah. through Saturday. Yeah, and he gives me fifty euros uh, okay. every week. Every Saturday he gives me fifty euros. So it was after he now did the contract. That was when he started paying me monthly. Oh, okay. And then you saw the discrepancy so in the when, pay. So when yeah, so when he did the contract, that was when I now went through the contract and I saw what he did on the contract. He wrote that I come to work three times in a week on the contract. And he wrote that I go to work 9 o'clock a.m. in the morning till 12 o'clock a.m. in the morning I close on the contract. So when I saw and I saw on the contract that he was supposed to pay me 5 euros per hour. That was what got me angry. And he was just giving me 50 bucks for a whole week. So I had to meet with him. I told him, this, was, this is what is on the contract. This is how much the contract says you're supposed to pay me. So how come you've been giving me 10 bucks for a whole day, mm-hmm. for 10 hours? So then he made me to understand that he did this because of you know the tax here in Italy is much right he didn't you want know? to pay that so you. he doesn't want to pay much tax so i said okay i understand now how much are you going to be paying me right he separate said, from the contract yeah separate from the contract how much will you be giving me on hand so he said okay i'm going to be giving you 20 euros per day i said no 20 euros is still little give me 30 euros per day and then we'll have a deal and the con- and the money from the contract the, too no or plus just 30 euros 30 euros including the contract okay everything 30 euros per day that was what i was asking him to pay me instead of about 70 something euros in a day according to the contract 5 euros per hour times 10 hours you would see it will give you about 70 something euros you know so i asked him okay give me considering the fact that you're not paying much tax now and I'm still asking less amounts of money from you. I understand that I can speak this language much more better, you know. So that would make me to be considerate for you to give me 30 bucks in a day. Because I feel I'm still learning from your company. Yeah. You know, so right, I think... So you were taking it as like, I'm still apprenticing here. Yeah, so... I'll take the lower Yeah, pay. so I'm still, I am still learning things from your company, you know, which would actually you know, help me in the future. So I think 30 bucks is, is okay. Considering the fact that I'm not paying bills, I live in the camp, 
I don't pay a water bill, light bill, or anything. So he said he couldn't afford it. That if I agree, he give me twenty bucks. That he's going to renew the contract. And so, and 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 if and under those terms, were you still working from seven a.m. until seven p.m.? Of course, of course. <laughs> so why were we having those conversations? And then I, I said okay because I I needed a job, you know. I needed to work and besides because the, the, the alternative is yeah what? I mean the place I live is just a small village so there are no job opportunities there there are a lot of my mates in the camp they don't even have something to do mm-hmm. so I said okay 20 bucks is still reasonable consider the fact that I don't pay bills so I agree with the terms I said okay no problem fine since you said you're going to renew the contract I don't have any problem with it so we had an agreement by mouth okay. not a written agreement so the contract actually got expired July when La- the contract J- last July yeah July yeah 2018. so 2018 yeah so when the contract expired I worked extra one week two weeks he hasn't even said anything about renewing the contract so it was the second week on Friday I met with him I said we had an agreement that you were going to renew the contract by mouth bro where's my contract so now please you have to renew the contract and then he said okay okay that reminds me you know okay and now you know business now he wants to be smart he said, now nah, business is no longer moving. You have to go home. You know, um, by next month ending, I'll, I'll call you to come and uh, start work. Maybe by then, the business must have been moving. I said, okay, no problem. I went home for two months. I was in my house. I was in the camp till September. He never called me. I texted him on the phone, on WhatsApp. Hey, you said you were going to renew the contract. Now it's September ending. So how far? He said, hey, don't worry. I am going to call you. And now business is no longer moving. Don't worry. I said, no, you don't have to be smart. If my services is no longer needed, just made it clear. Sure. Then you, know, you know, then you know how to then, proceed. Then you give me my money, calculate. You, the contract says you're supposed to pay me five euros per hour. If you no longer need my services, you don't have to cheat me at the same time. You, and you sack me from work. You know, if you know you no longer need my services, please calculate my money that I have worked five euros per hour times how many months I have worked with you. Mm-hmm. and then give me my money everybody walks away in peace mm-hmm. he said he cannot pay the money that he was going to pay me according to the contract that the previous t- two months that i have worked mm-hmm. without contract he is not going to compensate me on that that was what brought the problem i said no you have to start from when i started working with you for the fact that i know there is no contract i said of course i worked with you right he said yes I said, okay, you have to calculate same five euros per hour for all of the time, for all of the time that I worked. I know there was no contract, but you have to pay me the same. He said that it's, it's aside because he never did a contract on that. And I have you a understand? question. I do. And I have a question about uh, the other people who are working with you. Were they Italians or were they... I was only the black You're guy the only yeah, migrant was, worker. Yeah, I was only the migrant worker. And do you know if you're... what? how much the Italian workers were receiving on their contracts? No, I never knew how much they were receiving. I never knew how much they were receiving. And now, uh, now you're transferred here to... Isenia. And how's... And tell me about the work that you're doing here. It's different, right? Um, well... As for now, I'm not. Um, I have been going around uh, looking for jobs. I haven't been able to find any. So, uh, what I do now these days is just for me to go out. You know, maybe um, go to a coffee bar where they sell um, cafe. You know, I'll just stand outside. You know, greeting people. 
you know, voluntarily they give me 50 cents, 20 cents, 10 cents, 1 euro. You know, at times I go to the supermarket, you know, I just approach the people there, greet them, I beg them if I can stay outside, you know, just to see if I can get some little help to take care of my needs. So let's let's walk through that whole day then. So you, you're you living in the camp with how many people did you say are living there? Roughly 50, 60? Um, at at the moment, and we don't, we're not up to 50. I think we're about... Um, 40 something or 30 something but i don't know the actual numbers but i i know we are not up to 50 for okay. sure okay so 40 something and you wake up at what time i wake up 5 13 a.m in the morning just you no not just me um with all of my colleagues about um three of them plus me four mm-hmm. and then we just go out you know and you start at the cafe yeah we just spread ourselves you know mm-hmm. We go to the cafe bar, maybe the cafe bar or the supermarket. So when you go to the supermarket, you first you go inside the supermarket and you talk to the management and say, hey. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just go inside the supermarket. I'll see the workers. I just greet them. Hi. You know, I just approach them. To first see if they have work that you can do for them. Yeah. I know for sure they don't have work for me, so I don't even approach them you about jobs. You don't ask jobs. that anymore. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I just approach them to ask them if I can actually stay outside to see if I can get some uh, little help to take care of my needs. And I don't have a job. I go around looking for a job. I haven't been able to get any. And that work is to help people to their cars with their grocery bags? Yeah, mostly um, old men and old women. Whenever I see them um, coming out with things they've bought, a lot of things, mm-hmm. you know, I just um, um, ask them if I can help them carry those things. And mm-hmm. some would say yes. You know, I help them put things inside their boots, in mm-hmm. their car. And then they give me um, little money, one euros, 50 cents, 20 cents, 10 cents, just like that. And some you would ask them, some would say no. Some you don't even help them at all. They give you money, you know, willingly. Some they they won't give you money, you know, they will just um, buy you food while they are coming out because they might be feeling, you know, you want to use the money to go buy drugs. Right. So they want to control what you're... Yeah, they just want to control. So some when they're coming out, they just buy you maybe bread or juice or chocolates or stuff like that so they wouldn't want like to give you money but anything you get are you grateful for or do of course you i am grateful for everything i i mean i get because um you know you but you the money is better obviously so you can yeah of save. course yeah of course the money is better but whatever somebody gives you you don't have to reject because you know it comes from his heart i and agree yeah. yeah so you're in need so whatever they give you you have to accept it so if you don't accept it, next time, nothing is going to motivate that person to give you anything next time. And so when you're at the grocery store helping people with their grocery bags, how many hours are you standing out there doing that? Um, I stay there for about maybe 8 to 10 hours. 8 to 10 hours? Yeah. And how much money on average, if there is one, do you earn per day? Um, minimum, what I get in a day, it's um, 12 euros. 12 euros. Mm, at times I get 15 euros, 20 euros, 18 euros, 17 euros. It depends. Mm-hmm. But if it's, if it's that bad, I don't make money in, in a day, I get 12 euros. Wow. Yeah. So, but I make sure I'll, I'll, I'll save 10 euros for myself, you know, every day. I make sure I save 10 euros. That's your, that's your yeah. plan, 10 euros yeah, a day. Yeah, I save 10 euros in a day. And but the other considering the fact that um, most things I... I eat while I'm standing there. People buy for me, like bread, juice, they buy for me. So I usually don't buy food for myself while standing at the front of the mm-hmm. supermarket. Mm-hmm. So I and make so sure. And so then you just have to buy bus tickets and things yeah, like that. Yeah, bus tickets, yeah. That's the only thing I do. And if, you, and if the grocery store doesn't let you stand out there? No, you just have to leave and then look for another place. And where do you go then? 
you have to look there are other medical supermarkets cafe bar you go to other places and approach people you were mentioning something too about uh like factories that you know about yeah there. i usually go to where they rear cattles like chickens to go look for jobs but there is no one forthcoming so so there's like a there's like a i guess what is that called like a processing plant for for chickens for like feeding like feeding chickens feeding cattle oh. yeah I, I usually go there to ask them if i can if they can employ me to help them feed their oh. cattle and their chickens oh, you know the cattle okay yeah like whenever the chicken lay eggs i can pick them put them in in the in the cans where they arrange the eggs you oh, know arrange. okay so and you say, know where to go to find that here yeah of course of course you know how do you I mean, but how do you find that out who do you ask you ask questions i mean you ask there are a lot of people any city you go to you just have to ask questions yeah. You know, you just ask people and then they will direct you. Um, I, I, this is why I always like talking to you because you are, you're like that. You're very proactive. Yeah, thank but, you very much. <laughs> of course. But I mean, that's not always the case for the other people you're living with, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody has his own um, um, thinking, his own ambition and his own uh, um, uh, future. So people are not the same. People don't always think the same. So yeah. For me, I just... I'm How do just, you... Go ahead. Yeah, for me, I, I just want to go out, you know, find something to do because I I don't want to always sit in the camp all day, you know, being lazy without doing anything. I mean, it's not actually good for a man How to do always you, sit all day How doing do you, nothing. How do you find that motivation when you're around people who don't have that same drive and when you're in an environment that doesn't support you being... support your ambition? I mean, like the camp I, doesn't offer anything for you to do, right? Yeah, the, the camp is not actually, you know, encouraging us to, to do anything. So that's the more reason why I go out because I don't, I, I don't like to sit in one place without doing anything for myself. You know, it it makes me feel bad. Yeah, I yeah. always get depressed when I'm like stuck so not doing anything. I don't, I don't like to sit all day in the camp without doing anything. So I love to go out to find something for myself to do. Don't you get afraid to approach people to ask questions, especially when you don't know the language very well? How do I you mean, do it? Where uh, do you find your courage? Uh, what is there to be afraid <laughs> of when you haven't done anything wrong? I mean, approaching people is a normal thing. Not everybody can do that, though. I mean, not everybody. I mean, people are different, you know. So yeah. I feel maybe I'm blessed with courage, you know. I'll say. Yeah, I would say I'm blessed. I would say. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean asking questions is, is not a bad thing for me. It's kind of like the, uh, that story you were telling me about on the train when the uh, control came through to check for tickets. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the same thing, you and know. And you saw the guy, the Italian guy who didn't have a ticket. Yeah, he who didn't have a ticket, yeah, actually. And he was going to bust you, but not the Italian yeah, guy. Yeah, But you yeah. called him out. Like, I mean, that takes a lot of courage. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course I did because, I mean, even for the fact that I wasn't having much money with me, you know, I was very having little. Because the fact that I don't have a job, yeah. You know, I still bought a ticket, but I bought halfway to oh, where, okay. yeah, to where I was. I was actually going to Roma, so but I bought casino because I never had much money with me. So I was sitting right. So that was your compromise to buy, like, to pay at least halfway. Yeah, if I if do. I have if I have a job and I have money, there is nobody who would have money, you know, who wouldn't like to buy a ticket totally. for a train or a bus. Yeah, you know, but you know, the system here is frustrating. The government is not doing anything to find means to create jobs for us or to engage us is something that would keep us busy at all even if we get not much even no matter how little they pay us i mean it's something rather than you know people sleeping in the camp without doing anything so 
I was inside the, the train. I was sitting right next to the guy, a white guy who never had a ticket at all. Mm -hmm. You know, and then when the controller came asking for ticket, I gave him my ticket. He saw a casino and then he gave it to me. And he asked the white guy right next to me, Bileto. And the guy said, he doesn't have. And then he left. And he made the gesture. He yeah. And the guy said he doesn't have. And then he left. So when I got to where I was supposed to come down, which is the casino I casino, bought, yeah. he came back having it in mind that I was going to come down there to check if oh, I actually was come down. For you. Yeah, he was waiting for me to come down. And when we got there, he saw I never came down. And he was asking me to come down that I bought here. I said, I know, but I pleaded with him that, please, I don't have much money with me. That's why I bought this yeah. ticket. Mm -hmm. So please, just allow me. I told him, please, I don't have a job. If I have a job, I would buy, you know, the complete ticket. And he said, no, he insisted that I must come down. I said, but this white guy doesn't have a ticket at all. And then you allowed him. So why didn't you say the both of us should come down? And he said he was assisting. He was shouting that if I don't come down, he's going to call the police. So I was provoked. I said, please call the police. The both of us has to get off from this train. I said, if not, I am not coming down. And what did he say? And then the whole thing just died. And one Italian man came and then asked what was going on. I explained to him. And then the guy calmed him down and then he left. And that was it? That was it. And you got on the train and went to Rome? Yeah, I was on the train and then I arrived. And the, and the, the Italian man us, also yeah, went yeah, to Rome? Yeah, the both of us arrived. Ticket in Rome safely nothing happened I mean that takes a lot of courage I mean especially yeah I mean you, if, if, if especially you, when you know that you if you've are got, if you've got to do in the wrong and don't have the ticket yeah if you've got to do your job as a controller you've got to do it well do it right well you don't, have, what you're saying is you have to do it you have to apply the same standard to everybody yeah to everybody don't say because this person is black you have to be racist to him no things doesn't work that way we are humans we have the same red blood you know running through our veins so this, despite the fact that we have skins different doesn't mean anything, Rich. you know. So if you have to enforce the law, you enforce the law to the fullest. You don't have to be, you know, to be biased. Selective. Yeah. So that was what happened. I mean, have you encountered other, other things like that, other moments like that in, in your time in Italy so far? It's been, it's been May 7th is when you arrived, 2017? Yeah, May 7th. So almost two years in Italy, and we met in, and that was on Lampedusa where we met. Yeah, that's correct. So in that, in those two years, have there, what have, have you experienced other moments like that? Um, well, it has been really tough, you know. Uh, Europe is not the way we think it, sh it is, you know, way back where we were in, um, in Libya or in, in Africa. You know, we thought, um, you know, here is a land of opportunity. Of course, it's a land of opportunity. Mm -hmm. I'm not um, I'm disputing that fact, mm -hmm. you know, but there are a lot of frustrations still going on here. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got to face a lot of challenges. Like what, uh, besides, like we've talked about work and stuff like that, but what, uh, what are the other challenges? Like I imagine even how you live where you live. I mean, this yeah. <laughs> have I you mean, ever lived in a house with 40 some other people? No, I haven't before. And have the know. other people lived in a house that way too? I don't know about other people. You know, we all come from different countries. So but probably uh, not. Like people are probably living in like a normal family home, right? Yeah, yeah, people might be living with your family. If you if you're living with your family, it's quite different than living with a stranger you <laughs> haven't met in your entire right. life before. Like who's speaking another language too? Oh my god, so it's let's go through fucking it. crazy. You know. <laughs> so who in your so how many? Okay. Of the 40 some people, how many nationalities are we talking about? We've got, you're from Nigeria. Yeah, we've, we've got, got Nigeria, Gambia, uh, Pakistan, Bangladesh, 
um, Cote d'Ivoire, Cote d'Ivoire, name it, just name it. A lot of Guinea, different uh, Guinea, yeah. Uh, Cameroon, you know, Cameroon, yeah. A lot of different African people. So living with somebody whom you don't even know, you know. Right, and everyone. So everyone's speaking a collection of. And uh, everybody French, speaks different languages. English. Yeah. Uh, what are, What are the languages? Um, uh, Swahili or different kinds of languages, you know, like, uh, like many languages that I don't even know of, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's It's not really easy. Six people living in a room. Four people living in a room. I mean, it's, oh my God, I just don't know the way to describe it, you know, it's... What do you, what do you do to stay centered and to stay calm when you're in a room with five Excuse other me, people? Excuse me, What do you do to stay centered and calm when you're in a room at night with five other people around you? Oh, you mean what do I do when yeah, I'm in like the where, room? Yeah, what do you do mentally to stay okay? Like, at the moment, I don't really do anything because when I go out there early in the morning, and I come back at night, I just go take my bath and then I have, you know, a dinner. Because it might be very, very late at that time, maybe it will be around 10, uh, midnight or about 10.30. So I just, you know, have some food and then just sleep off, you know, because I'll be very, very tired. So I don't really do anything. Mm. So and are you able to it. sleep in, uh, are, there, uh, are there disturbances or noise problems in the house or in your room? Yeah, in my pre previous room where I used to live, there were a lot of noise, you know, other guys I used to stay with, they used to drink, you know, at the middle of the night, like at about 10, 11, they'll be drinking, playing music very loud, so it was very, very disturbing for me, so I couldn't sleep, so I had to report them, so at first they didn't do anything about it, and they made a law in the camp that nobody should drink alcohol inside the camp, mm -hmm. and meanwhile, they were not enforcing that law. They will allow this guy to continue to drink and to make noise with his friends simply because he was close to them, you know, he was... Oh, so he made friends with yeah, the camp he, people, Yeah, he made, he made friends with the, with, the, with the management, with the workers. So they weren't doing anything to him. So I have been complaining, nothing was done. So not until one night, I couldn't take it anymore. So they were drinking, making noise, and I was very, very tired. I just came back. After working? After working, yeah. From at about eight hours, you know. Okay. I just came back, so I needed to rest after taking my bath. They were just drinking, making noise, you know, the music was very loud. So I told them to lower the music and please, they should lower their voice. They refused. You know, they were just insulting me and telling me all sorts of things. So then I got angry. I went to call the controller. That night, we almost fought, you know. So and then the guy later said, okay, fine, let me go get you another room. So that was how I was being changed from my former room. And then they got me another room. So where I am now, it's, it's a very peaceful room. I don't have any problem with people I'm living with. You know, they don't make noise. They don't even drink alcohol. You know, so... Uh, they're Muslim people you're saying with? Yeah, they're Muslims, yeah. So they don't, I don't have any problem with them. So they don't have problems as well. So whatever they want to play music or do anything, they just simply use their hearpiece. So and we're living um, peacefully together. I love them and then they love me as well. Oh, you know? that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's just it. That's awesome. I mean, how long do you think you'll stay in this housing? You mean how long I'll stay in? How long do you think you'll remain there? Well, I, for now, I don't know yet. Because uh, I intend to leave, but I don't know how long I'm going to be there. Because you're still, uh, you've appealed your, yeah, your asylum. Yeah, I've appealed my asylum. Which so was a negative. 
previously. Yeah, it was negative, so I don't know what is going to happen next. So. When did you go to your first hearing? My first one? Your first asylum hearing. Um, I can't really remember the date, to be specific. I can't remember was the date. Was it over a year ago? or just Yeah, it was remember. last year. I think it, yeah, it was last year around um, September, I think. Okay. But I can't remember so the specific. So roughly September 18, yeah, 2018. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I can't remember the specific date. But it's on the document. If I go take a look, I would, uh, yeah. you know, see it. But I can't remember the date. And did, have they, and so have they given you a date for your appeal? No, no, they haven't. Do you know if, um, and do you have, are you giving any, are you given any indication of when you might expect the date to be assigned? No, no, not at all. So you're just wait. so you're just yeah. a lot of waiting? Yeah, I'm just waiting. So no, for now, I don't know what is going to happen, so I'm just here waiting. And what's your, what's your thought about the future, given the reality that's in front of you here, right now? Um, about my future. Does this have any bearing on your success going forward? Like? The way you're living now and the sort of um, complications and... Um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like, you know, you have, there's, there's so many difficulties that you have in your normal day between the contract and the, your living situation and maybe sometimes even the encounters you have with the people around you who perhaps have racist things to say to you. I mean, how does this affect your thinking about the future? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't affect my future at all because I feel it's challenging for me, you know, because in life you're about to face challenges whether as a man or a woman, yeah. you know, you have to face some difficulties. That makes you a man. That gives you the courage. That gives you the focus to be a man. You know, you don't have to be afraid of anything or anybody. As far as you know, you're on the right side. You're doing the right thing. So it's all part of the, the voyage. Of it's course. All part of the package. Of course. So I don't feel scared at all. So, you know, as a man, you would always face challenges. Even politicians face challenges. So everybody faces challenges, you know. So, but... I mean, it's a normal thing in life, so I don't, I don't feel bad at all. I don't feel scared. So awesome. I believe my future is bright, and one day I'm going to meet my helper, and I believe things will remain this way. And what do you want? What's the, what's the thing that you want five years from now, or maybe that's too soon? But I mean, when I you just think about your life. What's I just, the thing I just want to live. I just want to live a comfortable life. That's all I want. I mean, have a roof over my head, a better roof, maybe a two-bedroom apartment, me and my wife and kids. You want kids? I yeah, I mean, I have my own uh, little car, <laughs> you know, just to live a comfortable life, have a job, yeah. you know, even if I don't earn uh, much money, as far as something that could take care of my bills, that's mm -hmm. all I want, you know. So it's just all about me having a comfortable life. So that's all. That's awesome. And you think you want to stay in Italy? Um, <laughs> with the way things are going, with the way things are going right now, from what I'm saying, um, staying in Italy, it's absolutely not on my mind. Well, I will is be it, honest. Is that because um, of just the administrative complications and the? Yeah, if I'm able to. Or is it the language? Yeah, if I'm able to get a better job, well, that would motivate me to live in Italy. Mm, okay. Yeah, but if I'm not able to, which with the way I'm saying now, uh, things are not going well with the region where I live. But I don't know what is going to happen next if I would leave this region to other region. Mm -hmm. Like to a different country yeah, in, like, in the EU. Yeah. So 
to go look for um, jobs. So I don't really know what is going to happen next. But if I'm able to find a better job here in Italy, you know, I would remain in Italy because, I mean, all I'm after is just to have a job. And what is the, what is it that you do specifically, or that you want to do? Anything that brings money to my table, do apart have, from have committing you? crime, you know, <laughs> apart from involving myself in some sort of bad things to make money. Talk about that for a minute because that's something that comes up a lot with the other people you talk about what doing things illegally for money. Yeah, because that's something that a lot of migrants have to deal with here. Yeah, I mean a lot of migrants do shit to make money. Like what? It's like like tell me about it. Like most most Africans sell drugs to make money. Like they sell marijuana. You know they they go into um, trafficking like using girls to make money for themselves you know sending like the sex trafficking yeah the sex trafficking yeah prostitution and all of that so they do a lot of bad things some even sell cocaine you know and so, but yeah and yeah so i don't want to go into any of those um, um bad business because there is nothing that you do there's no crime you commit that you feel you always want to go free with it you know one day you'll be caught yeah so there is no criminal who wouldn't be caught one day it really take time but one day you will definitely be caught and do you think so um, and i you don't know want to involve who's behind myself. that though too right like the the you know the, the system that's set up here for 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 drug dealing like people know how to find you as a migrant right they know well, who you are right well i don't i don't know about um people who know how to find you to go do the business that i don't know for sure but i know a lot of people, a lot of Africans are involved in it. But most of them are not doing it simply because they want to go into, you know, selling drugs. But because of the system, you know, the system is frustrating. You know, there are no jobs for them to do, nothing for them to do. And to survive, they have uh, to do so this. So they have to take risks in order for them to survive, you know. So that's just it. Yeah. yeah. Why some, it's in their blood already, you know. It's something they've been doing for long. But some, but not everybody. Not everybody. Some, some, some of them are doing it because they are frustrated. You know, they need money to survive, mm-hmm. and they need money to send to their family as well. Have you ever been approached to sell drugs? No, no, not at all. They won't even try it because they know they I know won't you. listen. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody will you come are to wearing, approach me. You are wearing a suit jacket. Yeah, I mean, it was being <laughs> given to me by the Catholic Church. I didn't buy. The the priest that your friends yeah, with yeah. helped you. Yeah. What's his name? Um, Antonio. Yeah, that's his name. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but I mean, but you know, I, I wanted to mention that because it's true. A lot of people uh, get, uh, you know, have no other means of work, so they get stuck doing that, and then they get punished for it when they yeah, already they're being punished by not having work to do anyway, right? That's I mean, or let me say that's the feeling of it, right? Yeah. But the truth is, um, committing a crime is not an excuse to the law. Anywhere you go to in the world, you know, it, it's not an excuse. You can always find something to do apart from going into crime. It, it doesn't matter how frustrated you are. You know, there is still something you can still do to help yourself. Just what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. So if you're a guy or you're a man and you go into selling drugs or you go into tr- um, human trafficking, it's, it's not the best idea. You know, there are that's st- an understatement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are still. <laughs> that's a things. very diplomatic way of phrasing it. Of course, it. of course. There are still things you can still do to help yourself. Not going, except maybe, you know, you're the kind of person who wants too much money. Like, you wants to spend money 
um, in a big form. You know, you want people to know that you're a big boy. Or you, you know? got like flashy things. Yeah, you you're all, and all yeah, that. yeah. Or you're you're interested in flashing things. And right. You, you want to have the best car. You want like to the, have the best house. Like the pictures you see sometimes on Facebook of some of, of the guys course, with their of watches. Course. Of course, stuff, you know, yeah. you get being inspired with those things. Like those things drives you crazy. You want to be like these people. Yeah. And you have forgotten that your fingers are not equal. And so we shouldn't be equal. We can't be equal in life. Wait, I don't know this phrase. That's an awesome phrase. Yeah, your, our fingers are not equal. You don't Is that a Nigerian idiom? Of course, of course. <laughs> I've never heard that. It's awesome. Yeah, you might be doing some bad things to make money and it, you know, it might be profitable to you. I might go to the same bad business and then it will lead me to death. Right. So people are not the same. Your so fingers are not the same. Yeah, the fingers are not equal. So you shouldn't expect because this person is making money from this drug dealing and then you go into it and you feel you're going to make money out it might lead you to death you, or you might be caught and you end up in jail you understand yeah. so people are more smarter than each other so you have to calculate you have to think you have to know how come this person is doing this thing he's being profitable he's not being caught and i did it for like a week or two weeks and i'm being caught those are the things you should think of. So, mm -hmm. so you're so, but this is unique too. I mean, you're thinking, you're taking the long view. You're taking all the, uh, you have a much longer perspective. Of course. Then. So, yeah. in order to avoid trouble, because in this life we live in, no matter how much property you acquire, no matter the kind of mansion you own, you're only going to sleep in one room, just one room, you know. And when you die, your property is not going to go with you in the grave. So people don't think of those things. You know, when you die, you will be buried with just a coffee or maybe probably the clothes you're dressed with. You know, nothing, not even a dime goes with you. So why being desperate, making too much money when you're not going to go with a dime? Because when you die, other people who doesn't know how you make this money is going to enjoy the money. So what is the desperation about? you making a lot of money. I am not desperate because I know definitely one day I will die. Everybody will die one day. So oh, when you true. die, what happens to your money? Oh. So what's the reason you find in too much money? That's more, the more reason why I want a comfortable life. I don't want to make too much. If God bless me with too much money, fine. I'm okay with it. But if it doesn't come, I live the way my life pleases me. You know, just mm -hmm. a comfortable life. That's all I want. Mm -hmm. So that's just it. Let me ask you about, um, about the, your historical perspective your everything that you have now in retrospect the the last time we spoke or in person anyways the last time we met in person yeah. was just after you had crossed the sea from libya yeah what's different now for you uh, having two years of that time behind you from that experience can you come again please i don't really understand yeah how how has the experience of Libya and crossing the sea still affect you? How is it different from when you first arrived in Lampedusa? Does it stay with you? And how does it stay with you? Oh, no, I don't, I don't usually think of my past, especially when it's my past. You Never? Know? No, I mean, I, I've all forgotten about all of that because it's my past. So. But how do you know what to do going forward if you never have any um, grounding in the past? You don't have to think about a past in order for you to make it in future. No. Although people are different in the way of thinking. But, hasn't, me, that, but hasn't that experience affected you? I mean, um, it hasn't. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, but I mean, it seems to me, 
I mean, yeah. it, it, has, it has affected me in one way or the other, mm -hmm. you know, but I don't think of it. Yeah. You know, I yeah. just focused in the future. So, so it doesn't, you're saying it doesn't hold you back? No, no, not at all. That's fair enough. But are there still, are there still moments where you remember it? And what, I mean. I it, don't even want to think about it. Yeah. You know, because it's my past. So I don't think about past. But are there people around you who you think have not um, digested that experience or processed the emotions and the trauma of that experience? Maybe you can't speak to it. I don't know. Everyone's like, different. Can you come again? I don't understand. Well, I just wonder if the people around you now, yeah. I mean, you know, have have processed that trauma of what happened in Libya. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about those people, but I would speak for myself. You know, so for me, I don't think about what has happened to me in Libya because I believe um, in life you're about to pass through um, temptations or through so many difficulties for you to become who you would be in future. So that's the more reason why I don't think about mm -hmm. um, Libya or crisis. Not just Libya are having um, these problems. There are other, other many um, countries that are having a um, war as well, you know, which... Uh, people are, are trying to, like Afghanistan, for example, you know, people are wishing to, you know, leave that country as migrants who go seek asylum in other um, peaceful countries. Mm -hmm. So it's just, um, for me, I know most people are still going through a lot in Libya. So many refugees are still trapped yeah. in Libya at the moment. Yeah. But I just pray God, you know, There's God helps. fighting there now, Yeah, too. I just pray that God helps them to, you know, see them through, even if they can make it to Europe, you know, they should be able to grant them their freedom and then, you know, take them back to their various homes so they can start a new life. Because the life over there, it's, I mean, it's crazy, you know. A lot of people there now are in prison, you know, mm. passing through a lot. Mm. So I just pray that God helps them one day, you know, they will get their freedom and then they'll be taken back to their homes, to their various homes. So Moses, that's all I wish. What do you need... What do you need most right now? Um, right now, what I need is a job. That's my. <laughs> that's that's the with most a, thing I need. With right a contract. <laughs> yeah, of course, with a contract. I wouldn't want to work with anybody again without a contract. You know, I wouldn't want to try it again because it's a bad experience for me. Now I have learned my lesson, you know, because now I know better. If you don't make mistakes, you wouldn't learn. So okay. yeah, so now I can't work with anybody without a contract. And what is your wish for the future? Um, my wish in the future is to, you know, get married, have my lovely kids uh, with my beautiful wife, Aww. you know, just have a comfortable home, live peacefully, you know, be able to train my children in school, you know, because I didn't get the education I was supposed to get because I lost my dad at a very early age. So I wouldn't want my kids to go through that same stress. You know, I want my kids to be educated. I want the best for them. That's all I want. That's awesome. Yeah. Moses, thanks for talking to me. Thank you very much. The pleasure is mine. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Open Encounters from Migrants of the Mediterranean. You can follow Migrants of the Mediterranean on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you like Open Encounters, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. Open Encounters is produced, written, and edited by me, Pamela Kirpius. 
Editorial and outreach by Nick O'Connell. Music by Giovanni Escalera. To read every story and to donate to humanitarian storytelling, go to migrantsofthemed.com. That's migrantsofthemed.com.